Uh, tonight we are going to consider Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse uh, 26, before we hear God's word, if you would uh, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Please pray with me. Our Father and our God, we thank you once again for the sending of a true light into this dark world that we might have life and light in him, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that Christ is risen from the dead, that he is alive and at your right hand and continually interceding for his people even now. And he reigns over all things, for you have given him the authority over all heaven and earth. Father, as we consider the humble beginnings of this mighty Savior and our Lord, we pray, Father, that you would humble our hearts, that we might receive the Christmas message, that we might receive the gospel, and that we might be changed by it. We pray, Father, that by your strong right arm, you would humble the proud, bring those who are in a lofty position down low, that they might know life and peace in Jesus Christ. Father, encourage us by your scriptures, encourage us by the history of the coming into the world of your one and only Son. We pray this all in his mighty name. Amen. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Beloved, this is the word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of God. In the first few verses of Luke's gospel, we find that Luke, writing to the most excellent Theophilus, thought it was good to give an orderly account of the things that had been accomplished among them, the things that they had seen, namely the things that God had accomplished in Jesus Christ. A very important part of this account is what we have here, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. The actual account of the birth does not come until the next chapter, but what we have in the passage tonight is the orderly account of the prophetic announcement to the Virgin Mary that she would bear a son. 
And we will see as we go through these verses that the son that would be born to this virgin would not just be any son. He would be the son of God. The passage follows the interaction between the angel Gabriel and Mary. The angel appears and greets Mary. And Luke records Mary's response to the greeting. And verse 29 says that she was greatly troubled and tried to understand what this greeting meant. Then the angel revealed to her that she would conceive and bear a son. And she responds, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel explains to her how it was that a virgin would conceive. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And Mary gives her submissive concluding response in verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. And we see at the end of the same verse that Gabriel, the angel, leaves. This account begins in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth. Now, the sixth month written here corresponds to the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy mentioned in the previous verses. Mary's relative, Elizabeth, had been barren. She was pregnant. She was pregnant with a son, John the Baptist. And she was in her sixth month living in another town in Judah when the angel Gabriel visited Mary. Elizabeth would have started showing at six months. And Mary, at this point in the passage, she doesn't yet know that her relative is pregnant. And so it was during this time, the text says, that the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to Nazareth. Now, Gabriel had already been sent to Zechariah in the section before this to announce to Zechariah about the birth of his son, John the Baptist, despite the fact that his wife was barren, despite, that, despite the fact that, according to human perception, it was virtually impossible for someone like Elizabeth to have a son. And yet she would, she did, John the Baptist. Zechariah responds to the message from heaven with unbelief. We're even told that he was disciplined for a time. He was made mute because of his unbelief. He says to the angel, how will this be? He can't believe that this would happen. The angel answers, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Gabriel stood in the presence of God. He was an angel after all. Angels are glorious, sinless, created beings who continually worship God in heaven and they always do his will. This is what angels are and this is who Gabriel was. You might think of the vision of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 where he sees the glorious presence of the Lord and angels continuously before him singing holy, holy, holy. They were holy and heavenly so that each time there was an angelic appearance Before men, the men who saw these angels were immediately afraid. They were glorious, powerful, and they were messengers of God, always executing God's will. They were always brought, did the will of God, and they brought announcements from God in heaven. Gabriel was sent from God, verse 26 says. God sent Gabriel, so the message he delivered was a message from the Lord. Zechariah questioned the Lord's word from Gabriel and became mute. He did not believe God's word. He could not understand how God's word might come to pass. He rejected it, and so he was mute for a time. Gabriel here in this passage was sent to a small little town of Nazareth in in Galilee. Now several hundred years had passed since heaven moved to earth. 
Heaven had not spoken for several hundred years. If you turn back to the Old Testament, you can see God speaking to people all along the way. You can see the arrival of angels at separate uh, parts in the stories, in the history that's recorded in the Old Testament. But since the closing of that last prophet that spoke in the Old Testament, it had been several hundred years since humanity had seen a movement from heaven to earth. And now that this time has passed, we see heaven moving to earth once again. And who are they being sent to? We see this in verse 27. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now that Mary was a virgin has been strongly debated by even, even within the boundaries of the church. Now why is this? Well, it's because the son that she bore was from heaven. Literally, he's from the Holy Spirit. We see this in this passage and in the passage from Matthew that we just read. The self-centered, unbelieving heart cannot accept that the Son of God from all eternity took on flesh. They reject this like Zechariah did, for the most part. They reject it. They can't accept it. That an eternal being could take on human flesh and yet remain the same. And when someone who claims Christianity and yet drifts towards unbelief, often you'll see that it's the virginity of Mary that's questioned. It's an eventual target among their writings, among their teaching. There are those who claim to be faithful teachers of the Bible and then they turn and deny what Luke and other passages so clearly record here. Two times in this verse, Mary is referred to as a virgin. And she refers to to herself literally as not yet knowing a man, in verse 34. The point is Gabriel was sent to a virgin in the humble little town of Nazareth, and the virgin's name was Mary. Verse 27 says that she was betrothed to to Joseph of the house of David. Now, many of you know this, but betrothal in Jewish culture was much more serious than what we are normally understand the way in which we normally understand betrothal or engagement in our day, though engagement is still a relatively serious thing. The engagement between Joseph and Mary was considered a mental commitment very close to that of marriage itself. So much so that when Joseph learned that Mary was going to have a child, he sought to divorce her. He was concerned about her welfare and her good name. He thought that there was some type of immorality involved. And so in order to break this engagement, he had to literally divorce her. That's how serious an engagement uh, was. But they were engaged. All this means is they were engaged to be married, though to be married, though she had not yet left her father's home to live with her husband. Gabriel the angel appears to her and says, In verse 28, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Hello, Mary. Greetings. You are a highly favored one. This is a message from the angel Gabriel. You've been shown kindness and mercy from the Lord, for he is with you and he has blessed you. Now, this isn't the first time an angel had appeared to someone in this fashion. Already in this gospel, Zechariah had been given a visit from an angel But Mary didn't know this, but she did know, or probably knew, about the angelic appearances in the Old Testament, her Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. 
Gideon was greeted in this way by an angel of the Lord when he was called to judge Israel. That angel said to Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. She may have also remembered the appearance of angels at Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember those wicked cities in the Old Testament that were eventually destroyed because of their rampant sin. Angels were sent to them to announce the coming judgment. She may have thought of these events as she sees this glorious being speaking to her in front of her. Here Mary is faced with an angel in verse 29. Luke records Mary's response. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting uh, this might be. Now what kind of message from God is this? She's asking herself. She wonders. Now this reaction already stands in contrast to Zechariah's. He responded to the angel's pronouncement with unbelief. He rejected the message from heaven. How can this be? This is impossible. He asked, how could possibly give me a son? God, how possibly could God give me a son with me when me and my wife are in old, uh, very old age? He's basically saying that with God, this kind of thing was not possible. With Mary, however, she understands this messenger brings the Lord's word and the Lord's pronouncement of what will certainly happen. She gets that. She believes it. Later in this chapter, Mary sings. When she sings, she refers to herself as being in a lowly and humble estate. My, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She is a lowly virgin Jewish girl in a little lowly town. And an angel has come to her. What is happening? What's going on? That's what she's wondering. She's perplexed and wonders why a messenger from God would be sent to such an insignificant, in her mind, an insignificant woman in this little insignificant town. And why would this angel consider her to be favored? The angel responds in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now fear before the Lord's messenger was an appropriate reaction but Gabriel, probably sensing her fear and her confusion, her confusion, he reassures her that she should not be afraid. She has found favor with God. Now, it's not that Mary was looking for favor and found it, like we look for something when we lose something in the house and then find our keys or whatever it may be. She wasn't looking for favor. She was found by the favor of heaven. The Lord's favor, his kindness and mercy had come to her. And so he basically repeats this initial greeting, Mary, the Lord has shown you kindness and favor. Now the angel begins here with a series of prophetic announcement with each announcements, with each successive piece of information building upon the other. He begins to tell Mary that she would conceive in her womb and bear a son. The baby that would begin to start growing in her belly would be miraculously conceived. That is essentially what he's already saying here. She would conceive and bear a son while remaining a virgin. In other words, she would conceive without the aid of any man. And the son that would be born to her would not just be another son like John the Baptist. The angel says that his name would be Jesus. Now, Jesus is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew name Joshua, or Yeshua, which means salvation or the Lord saves. The angel who spoke to Mary's husband Joseph in a dream explained to him that the son would be called Jesus. We saw this in Matthew 1. Why? 
because He would save His people from their sins. He is a Savior, the Savior. This is who this baby is. The son that would be born to Mary would be a savior to his people. The angel also says that he would be great and would be called son of the most high. Now John the Baptist was also called great. And he was. He was even called great by Jesus. He's the greatest of the Old Testament style prophets. But he was great because he would prepare the one, he would prepare the way for the truly great one. The son of the most high. Now, most high or highly exalted is found in Scripture as a name that's given to God himself. We might think about Psalm 7. I will give to the Lord the thanks to his righteousness. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the most high. This is God, son of the most high. He is the highest of being. God is the most high. We cannot fathom what God is truly like as created beings. We run into a wall. He's incomprehensible. We can't corner him in our thoughts. That is God. He is the most high. He's the highest of being. We can't truly and fully contemplate what he's like in his naked essence, as, as Calvin called it. But we know him. We know something of what he's like. He's revealed himself to us, and yet he is God the most high. Mary's, the son in Mary's womb would be the son of this God, son of the most high. The son in her womb stands in an intimate familial relationship to God the Most High. He is his son. He is the son of God. And he would be called this because he is this from all eternity. And he would remain this even as he would take on flesh in the womb of this virgin. He is the son of the Most High. Eternal, unchangeable, infinite blessed, glorious. This is who this baby is, would be, and would remain to be. As a man, the angel goes on to say this, Jesus would be given the throne of his father David. According to his human nature, he would fulfill the covenant promises given to King David in the old covenant. God promised David that his offspring, his seed, one of his sons, would reign over Israel forever. This son in Mary's womb would be that promised seed. He would receive the throne of his father, David. He would receive the throne because he would be of Joseph's lineage. Now, Joseph uh, was of the house of David. He was of David's lineage. And Joseph would become Jesus' adopted father. And so Jesus would inherit the throne from his father, David. And so according to... To his human nature, he would be the son of David. He would be Israel's promised Messiah. And as the son of David, he would, as the angel says in these verses, he would reign over the house of Jacob, Israel, forever. And his kingdom would be eternal. Now this eternal kingdom, friends, that would be given to this yet-to-be-born son, this kingdom that you are a part of, that we have been made a part of, it is not like an earthly kingdom. It is not like the earthly kingdom that was given to David. Although David's kingdom does give us lessons on what this kingdom is like, though it's not like that earthly kingdom. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. We are told in Romans chapter 14 that this kingdom is one of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so it's a spirit-produced and a spirit-advanced kingdom. It's not advanced, in other words, with the ways of earthly kingdoms with 
military weapons and military might and political influence. That is not how the kingdom of heaven is advanced. The kingdom of heaven is advanced by the crucifixion of the king of that kingdom and by those who follow him by taking up their own crosses and dying to themselves as their king has done. That's how the kingdom of heaven is advanced. So it's not of this world, and yet it remains forever. It is the kingdom that we have been made part of. Now Mary understood at this point that she was a virgin who would conceive and bear a son, not just any son, but Jesus the Savior. And so maybe she's starting to understand now why she is being called favored by the Lord. And so she responds in verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? Now Zechariah had asked a similar question, but he'd asked it in unbelief. Mary believes what is being spoken here, but her concern is a moral concern. The normal God-created and God-honoring process by which children are conceived, conception through the means of physical intimacy between a husband and wife within the covenant of marriage, that would somehow be bypassed. And so Mary asked, how will this be? And the angel answer, the angel's answer is beyond our understanding. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child who will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The, child's in Mary's womb, the child in Mary's womb would be from the Holy Spirit. He would be holy. His father would not be Joseph, biologically speaking. Look also at how the angel refers to the third person of the Trinity as the Holy Spirit who will come upon you and the power of the Most High. The power of the Holy Spirit would overshadow her in the similar way that the Spirit was at work in the beginning of creation, fluttering over the the first elements in human history as light was brought into being, as the sky was brought into being, as the sun and moon are put into their place, as leopards and whales and birds are brought into existence, as man is formed, there you see the the Spirit present, working mysteriously, bringing these things into existence. And here he is once again, overshadowing Mary's womb in a secret, mysterious way, bringing into reality human flesh onto the Son of God as he assumes a human nature. It's a glorious mystery that we affirm as Christians and that we celebrate in that God the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary in the secret and powerful process. God the Son took on human flesh in her womb and yet without change. And because of this, he would be man and he would experience all the weaknesses, all the temptations that Adam's race experienced, you and I, humans, Yet he would also be from the Holy Spirit, God himself. And so without sin, he would not inherit Adam's sin. He would be sinless. He's from the Holy Spirit, holy. And therefore he would be called the Son of God because he was the Son of God. And he is the Son of God. And he would remain the Son of God from all eternity and forevermore. God the Holy Spirit overshadowed the Virgin Mary In a secret and powerful and miraculous process, the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, took on human flesh, yet without sin. And the Son of God did this to die for us. Humans die. God doesn't die. How is it then 
that another would die for us to save us, to be our Savior. He must be human. And yet he must also be God because he would have to face and absorb eternal wrath from God. And so I hope you can see now the importance of the Christmas story, the biblical Christmas story, the true Christmas story, the story of a virgin who had not yet known a man and yet gave birth to a son, this son, to save us. Friends, let us meditate on this wonderful truth that's given to us in Holy Scripture and let us respond to the Word of God. Let us respond to this great truth that's given to us from the Bible the way Mary responds. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word.